to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. about the Spirit, just go in your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for an opportunity once again to share your word. I thank you by your Spirit that eyes will be open tonight, that we will see things, recognize things that your Spirit would witness on the inside of us of things that we've already heard and didn't make much sense to us, but now they're starting to, to come forth and we're starting to get revelation in every area of our life. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth. That's what you put us here for. And as we grow people up, we thoroughly thank you that they're going out and doing what they're supposed to be doing, bringing people into the kingdom of God and growing them up in the things of the Lord. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay. I'd like to talk tonight a little bit about spiritual attacks. Uh, there's some few scriptures, but a lot of the stuff I'll just be dealing with as far as my own life has gone and things like that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 10. It says, to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I in the person of Christ. Unless Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of what? His devices. Here it's talking about basically the enemy. It's talking about that Satan all during your kingdom life and Christian life will try to get an advantage over you. Now notice the reason why he's trying to get an advantage over you is because you already have an advantage over him or there'd be no reason for him to try to get an advantage over you. Are you following me? So when you got born of the kingdom of God, I don't care when it was or when it happened, immediately at that time you were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You were given the spirit of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, everything that you needed to live in victory. At that time the enemy was defeated in your life and you have to come to the point where you understand that he has been defeated in your life. Many Christians spend their whole life fighting the devil. Why do you want to fight someone who's already been beat up and knocked down? There's no reason to do that. Your job is to hold the position that he gave you in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion and giving you a place as a victor, as the head, and as a ruler. Now, one of the ways you're going to do that, you're going to have to get a kingdom perspective. Say kingdom perspective. In other words, you're going to have to see things from a perspective as a kingdom person rather than what you thought of yourself before you got born again. The only way you're going to do that is by getting in the Word of God. You are going to start to see things that He's already provided for you. And since you're in those positions, you can then live a victory. Now, in order for Satan to get an advantage of you, he basically attacks your will, your emotions, your feelings, and your thoughts. The devil comes after your will, basically your soul. Your will, your emotions, your thoughts and even your meditations. One way he can get advantage over you, it, it states in this scripture, is unforgiveness. We've heard that before. Some people don't get healed because of unforgiveness, don't receive from God because of unforgiveness, and is one of the ways. But notice, he don't want you to be ignorant of his devices. Say devices. That means he has more than just unforgiveness. There's other devices there that he'll do. Uh, another translation says, do not be ignorant of his schemes. Do not be ignorant of his maneuvers. Do not be ignorant of his plans and do not be ignorant of his attacks. And some things that have not been recognized by the body of Christ are simple things. Worry is an attack of the devil. Fear in your life is an attack of the devil. Anxiety in your life is an attack of the devil. Low self-esteem 
is an attack of the devil. Anything that gives you a victim, poor, poor me mentality is never of God. It's of the devil. He's never put you in a low place. He's placed you in a high place, and we're trying to come into agreement with him. So let me ask you, can a Christian be ignorant of Satan's devices? Of course they can, and many are. So Satan and demons are daily trying to get an advantage in your life, in your marriage, in your job, in your finances, in your church, in every area of your life, and he's getting in there basically through ignorance of his devices or his schemes. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 6. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Say, wiles of the devil. Another translation says, the strategies of the devil. Another one says, cunning devices of the devil. Another one says, the schemes of the devil. And one says, the methods of the devil of the devil. Once again, notice we are not fighting against the devil. He's already defeated. We are fighting the schemes of the devil or the way the devil attacks to try to take an advantage over you. It reminds me of a lot as when I was growing up, there was a cartoon called The Roadrunner. How many of you have ever heard of that or seen that? Well, on The Roadrunner, basically, old Wiley Coyote kept coming after The Roadrunner. It looked like he was going to get him every single time, but every time he just about was ready to catch him, how many know it didn't work out very good for him? Well, it's the same way with the devil. He's constantly coming around trying to get us as the roadrunner, trying to, and basically, what did he want the roadrunner for? He wanted to eat him. Well, the Bible says basically that you have an adversary, the devil, who is a roaring lion seeking about whom he may what? Devour. So the devil's the same way. He's coming after us. He's coming to eat our peace away, eat our joy away, eat our victory away, eat the things that Jesus provided for us. So if you know his wiles and you know his devices and you know all his traps, basically it will always backfire on him and you will live in victory every single day of your life. Now the word wiles here basically are subtle deceptions or sneaky deceptions. Wiles are subtle deceptions or sneaky deceptions. I heard a preacher say one time, Satan does not destroy by explosion, he destroys by erosion. In other words, something just doesn't automatically happen in your life. If a bomb goes off spiritually in your life, it's basically because it's been slowly leading up to that somewhere in your life. He comes around, gets you to believe a little bit unbelief, a little bit more unbelief, gets you a little bit of fear, gets you a little bit of worry, till it comes to a place where it happens and people come to me all the time and say, I just don't know how this happened. Well, back up. And you will find out where it started, where it progressed, where you agreed with it, where you started talking about it, where you thought about it, and pretty soon it came to a place where he could take over something in your life. So basically, he's not an explosion, but it's an erosion. How many of you know in the natural realm, basically? Well, let's look at that. Go to Matthew chapter 16. All right, Matthew chapter 16, just look at verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting Jesus desired of him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and low ring. O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, 
but you cannot discern the signs of the time. So here basically he was, these religious leaders, he was rejecting them or he was correcting them basically because they could understand the things of the natural but could not understand the things of the spiritual realm. How many of you know in the natural, a, a battle or a war is easy to detect? When you hear bombs exploding, you know a war is going on. When you hear torpedoes hit, you know there's a battle going on. When you hear machine gun fire, you know something's going on in the natural realm. When grenades explode, you take cover. Why? Because you know something's going on in the natural realm. Well, in a spiritual attack, you can also detect the attack as soon as it starts and sometimes before and deal with it even before the battle gets started. Now, most Christians, what do they do? They basically come under attack. Uh, their, their feelings, their emotions, all this stuff, they start believing it. They start accepting it. They start getting deeper into it. And before it's all over with, somebody has to help them, get them delivered, get them set free. All the damage has been done. And then all at once they have the revelation, hey, I was under demonic attack. Well, it's good to know beforehand or while it first comes, what's taking place so that you can live in victory every single area of your life. Jesus said in the evening, I mean, you can say fair weather when the sky is red. You, you can notice that. You can discern the natural signs in the climate. Why can you not determine the signs of the spirit when you're a spirit being fighting spiritual enemies? So we need to know and detect at the first sign of an attack. What do we do at the sign of an attack? We put up the shield of faith that quenches every fiery Start. That means he's trying to get you into unbelief in an area of your life, isn't he? He's coming against your soul and your spirit and basically your feelings and emotions to get you to believe something other than the Word of God. So we need to use the weapons that we have of our warfare before the full invasion occurs in our life. You can stop every battle of the enemy right at the starting point of it and walk free your entire life. You don't have to go through times of where you feel beat up or you feel down and out or you've got deep into worry. You can stop them right at the beginning when you learn to recognize them and know who they are from. All right, go to Matthew 26. All right, Matthew 26, look at verse 41. Jesus is talking. He says you need to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? The flesh is weak. So here he's talking about basically telling people who know God, who are born again, to watch and pray, not sleep and not pray. And, and sometimes this happens basically because when things are going good, sometimes we let up on what we know to do. Why should I pray? Everything's going good. Well, why should I spend time with God? My finances are super right now. Why should I do this? But you know, in the military, basically, even when there's no battle in sight, those guys are still training. They're still crawling under fences in the mud. They're still practicing shooting and cleaning their gun and learning how to shoot again. Uh, they're up at 5 a.m. every morning, even though there's no battle going on. They're exercised daily. They're in shape mentally. They're in shape physically. So when the battle comes, there's no need to get ready because they already are ready. How many of you know when the battle comes, they'll be glad they trained? Amen. Well, it's the same way in the spirit. Jesus says you need to watch and pray so you do not enter into temptation. So that means the prayer time that we put aside, the prayer time that we spend with God is not so you can tell everybody that you prayed today. When you read the Word of God, it's not so you can f not feel guilty about not reading the Word of God. When you praise and worship, it's not because it's Sunday and everybody's doing it. All these are spiritual exercises that are necessity for you to be ready when the time of a spiritual attack comes against your life. We have enough ordinary Christians in the world today the way it is. 
We have enough spiritually wounded Christians all over the place in the world. We have Christian casualties everywhere that you look, down and out, beat up. It's time for us to go beyond our emotions and our feelings and live not by sight, but by the Spirit of God and the voice of God on the inside of us. Before it's over with, I know in my heart there's going to be a generation that rises up and starts to make a difference. They don't start out, then back up, then start out, then fall apart. Then, no, they're going to start out and they keep going to go forward. They're going to turn into what a lot of people call fanatics. Say fanatic. How many of you are fanatics? Yeah, we're going to believe the word. We're going to learn to cooperate with the spirit of God, basically. But it takes extreme preparation to become extreme in the kingdom of God. And that means it's an everyday thing. It's discipline in your life. I mean, you know, it takes discipline. It takes priority in your life. What's your priorities for each and every day? You need to set your priorities the night before the next day. If you wait the next day, you'll never get it done. In other words, I try to set several priorities the night before. Hey, I'm, I'm going to read the Bible this long. I'm going to watch and pray this long. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost this long. And that is my priority for that day. So if I get up in the morning and nothing's going on, I will do that. If somebody calls and needs something, I won't do that. But that stills my priority for the day. Sooner or later, I'm going to do it. In other words, I'm setting my priority. I'm not waking up in the morning and say, well, you know, I'm probably pray later on today. And how many know it gets to be noon? And you say, well, yeah, I'll probably pray tonight. It gets to be night. And you say, well, maybe I'll pray tonight. But I do need my sleep. And you go to bed. And then you go over and over and over again. No, you've got to have priorities in this. Just like anything else, whether it's physical or mental or spiritual, you've got to have priorities to do. So set a priority the night before with what you want to do and what you even want to get done in the natural. That way you'll actually get something done. Have you ever gone through a whole day and figured out you didn't do nothing the whole day, but you wanted to get a whole lot of stuff done, but you got nothing done? Why is that? Because you didn't have priorities. You didn't set your priorities. So the priorities are set. If there's a certain time you need to get up to do it, then you get up to do it that day. Maybe you can sleep until late this day, but the next day your schedule's full, and if you want to read and pray, maybe you've got to get up a little bit earlier that day and do what you need to do because you never know when the attacks are going to come, and you want to be ready for them when they do show up. How many of you know the Spirit of God is on the inside? of you. So there's power in you over everything that tries to come against your life. There's miracle working power. There's available to you a life of peace and joy and stability. It's even hard to say that word sometime with the Christian. Stability. Yeah, stable. You don't have to get way up and way down and way up and way down. You don't have to live that long. You can just be stable on the Word of God all the time. But you have to have a desire for the Word of God. You have to seek first the kingdom of God, and you need to learn to be led by the voice or the spirit of God on the inside of you. And let me just say this, in order to do that, you need to be under a five-fold ministry someplace. You need to be somebody who was ordained and anointed to teach you and break down the word to grow you up. People say, well, I'll just sit at home and I'll get it. No, yeah, you'll get it all right, praise God. And then you'll end up at a church needing help because you need somebody to teach you and someone to grow you up in different areas of your life. Uh, so as far as you want to go is as far as you grow. In other words, the more you grow, the further you'll go on the things of the Spirit and keeping spiritual attacks and symptoms off of your life. All right, now I'm just going to give you some things here from my own life. Spiritual attacks, symptoms, and warnings when they come. And this is as far as my life, basically. Number one, when I start to lose hunger for the things of God, I'm under spiritual attack. It's natural for you to desire the sincere milk of the word as it is for a baby to desire the bottle. If the baby doesn't desire the bottle, how many of you know you're going to check out what's the matter with that baby before long? Because you want that baby to eat and the baby should desire the word. Well, if you're not desiring the word anymore, then there's an attack against your life basically to stop your spiritual growth. Maybe at one time you were excited about going to church. Now you feel like you have to go to church. 
Or you feel like, well, I may go, may not go. Or you may say, it's raining outside, so I better stay in bed today. See, nobody's got a problem going to work when it's raining. But if you've got a problem going to church then, see, when it's raining and use that excuse, then it's a sign, basically, there's an attack against your life. These things should be something we want to do if you skip praise and worship rather than come for praise and worship. Praise and worship is a wonderful time to build yourself up into a place so you're ready because you've you got a week coming. How many know that? And that may be the only praise and worship you get is the 30 minutes that we do here all week long. So that's the time to get ready, get your weapons ready, get your mind ready, get your heart ready. And you come to a place sooner or later basically where you just don't care about spiritual things. God basically is no longer number one in your life. He may be like three or four or maybe even five when it comes to spiritual things. You become indifferent of spiritual things. Hey, Tom, Pastor Tom, people are going to hell. Who cares? <laughs> Come on, your neighbor's deathly sick and going to die. That's too bad. You know, that's just the way you feel about the whole situation. The word preached, big deal. Hands being laid on somebody. Ah, I got to go to lunch. I got to get out of here. I don't want hands laid on me. What are we doing? We're basically avoiding the things of the Spirit and making excuses for them and not doing them. What's the problem? Natural things are starting to drown out the Word and the Spirit in your life. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? They shall be filled. So as a spirit being, your life is going to be filled with something. It's just the way spirituality is. You're going to be filled either with the word of God. You're going to be filled with worry. You're going to be filled with fear. You're going to be refilled with regrets and unforgiveness. What are you filled with? You need to be filled with the spirit of God and the word of God on the inside of you. And many times I found out in my life, over the years that the attack that comes against my life does not necessarily come because I sinned or because I'm in an unforgiveness or because I was doing something wrong and the devil attacked me. No, it's because many times you're doing something right. You're progressing in the things of God. You're pursuing God. You're going after spiritual things. You're growing up in the Lord. So what am I doing? It can be for that. A lot of people, as soon as they feel uh, pressure or they feel, you know, like they're being attacked with something, they want to search their whole life to find out what they did wrong. Well, how many know that takes a while? I mean, if you've got a background like I do, it's going to take a while to write all them things down and figure them out. And I found out after a while and growing up that that's not the problem. Sometimes it's because I'm doing something right in my life. I'm progressing in the things of the Lord. I feel good. I'm on revival. I'm going after God. He's my number one. But the thing is, I'm coming to attack then. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass or a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So here it says basically the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom or liberty. But we all with an open face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. The same image of who? Same image of the Lord, isn't it? 
So we're slowly being changed into the same image of the Lord. We, we already have his nature on the inside. We already have the mind of Christ that we can grow in and click into. And here it says you're changed from one level of glory to another level of glory. Now the enemy does not and cannot let you do that. Because if you grow up into a place where you find out who you are into the image of God and grow up to start acting like a son of God, he is in trouble in your life. He wants to stop your spiritual growth. He doesn't want you to get any more revelation. He doesn't want you to be more in the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to stop you where you're at right now. And if he cannot do that, or if he does, doesn't stop you, sooner or later the real Christ on the inside of you is going to start coming out of you. Hallelujah. Isn't that a good? Isn't that good? And what happens? You become a son of God. What does the son of God do? He goes around destroying the works of the of the devil. So what's he got to do? He's got to stop this process somehow. So it don't mean that I sinned. It don't mean, well, I was mad at somebody. It don't mean, maybe I'm just doing the right thing and he's coming to try to stop what's going on in my life and stop me from progressing in the things of God. And how does the change take place? It says, one scripture says, you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the renewing of your mind or your soul, your mind, will, and emotions comes by the word of God and the Spirit of God. So me in my life, I want to continue to grow every day. Say every day. I never want to get to a place where I think I have arrived. And this happens with one revelation and another revelation. Yeah, when you get a revelation, you think you know everything for a little bit. But then you find out you only learned a little bit of what you need to know and God wants to take you further into another little revelation, another little revelation, another one. What are you doing? You're advancing from glory to glory and you're starting to manifest Jesus Christ here in the earth realm. Now during these times of transition I call them from one level to another through the change, through the hours, even through days, many times you will feel very uncomfortable. You'll feel weird. Maybe you'll even feel messed up. Maybe you even feel cloudy in your mind or whatever. And the devil will come and he'll start talking to you. He'll say, well, if you were really, really in God's will, you wouldn't feel like you feel now. I'll tell you that right now. You know what happened? You lost your fire. You were really on fire there a while. You're backslid. You're like all the other Christians out there. What's the use anyway? You went to church five years now and nothing's happening for you anyway. There's no sense going anymore. Give up. Quit. Who really cares? What's he doing? He's putting spiritual pressure on you in the soul realm for you to back up and you to stop and you quit going forward. I've seen this happen to many Christians. I mean, when I got born again and started going to a full gospel church and went there, there was a lot of people that knew a lot more than I did because I didn't know anything. I came out of a denomination that taught me zero. And basically I was going there. And these people to me were super spiritual people. They knew about the devil. They knew about the power of God. They knew about the anointing. They knew about the spirit of God. But then later, you know, when I pressed in and really went after God, you'd see them five, seven years later. And you'd say, how you doing? Oh, all right. Going to church? No. We could have gone to church a couple of years. Somebody, somebody said something nasty about my shoes. And we'd never been back since. You know, never had a chance to go there since. Well, what happened? The devil used somebody to come in there to offend them. They backed off. I went to places where I thought they were the best married couple in the whole world. And they were divorced had been divorced for 10 years. So what happened? These are people who started out on the things of the Spirit, started out loving God, started out helping other people. There's, there's people out there who basically do marriage counseling for years and then five years later get a divorce in their own life. Well, what happened? Attacks are going to come against your life. Those voices and those words are going to come. Spiritual things are going to come. So in those seasons of transition, say transition, 
when I get up one morning, all at once I don't feel like anything's happening. I feel like a wet blanket has been dropped over me spiritually. I feel like, what the heck's going on? I can't even believe the word. I don't even know what the word says. The promise was so sure yesterday. Now I don't know where in the heck it's at because it's nowhere in my bedroom and nowhere around. During those times, you have to, number one, have commitment, tenacity, and wholehearted diligence. Say diligence. Sometimes as I'm growing, back in the early years, it felt like I was going through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> that scripture really became alive to me. And I'll tell you what it was happening. It would happen because at that time I had taken over a Catholic prayer meeting, and basically the two older guys who were in it, one of them moved away, and one of them just decided to quit. So I got stuck with a group of people, which turned out to be well, because I got, had a, it made me learn. Say, it made me learn. See, I didn't have a choice. I had to give them something when I got there, so I had to read the Bible. I had to study. But I'd preach on Thursday night, boy, and you know the anointing comes upon you. It feels good. How many know when the anointing comes upon you? It feels good. I mean, you get goosebumps. You're all excited. But then I got up for work on Friday morning. I thought, what happened? My God, I felt so good last night, and I feel like absolute crap this morning. I mean, did God leave me? Did God go someplace? What the heck? Where'd he go? What did he do? What's going on? I didn't, nobody had ever taught me anything, so I did not know what was going on. I did not know there was anointing that comes upon you to preach, but you also have anointing in you to live. So the only way I could stand the anointing on Thursday nights, the way I felt, was to preach all Thursday, all Friday, all Saturday, all Sunday, all Monday, all Tuesday, all Wednesday, in order to stand under that anointing. Nobody told me that you can switch tanks. Say switch tanks. In other words, you can switch off that anointing. Even in Sunday church, sometimes people get touched, people feel the anointing, then you wake up Monday morning and you think God left you someplace. No, he didn't leave you someplace. You just came out of the corporate anointing. Now you need to live by your own anointing that's on the inside of you. And by doing that, you can live in victory in every area of your life. Hallelujah. So basically, you know, I felt like my mind was racing at times. I felt like I was having trouble. You know, I, what I preached the night before, I couldn't even believe on Friday morning it felt like sometimes. I'd rather bite someone's head off than pray for them if they asked me to pray for them. I felt burned out. I felt tired. I felt emotionally spent. And this all happened. And then, and then all at once, it maybe would go on for Friday and maybe Saturday. And I wake up Sunday morning, and all at once, it's like, it's like a Florida rainstorm. You know, it gets so dark and windy, then all at once, bang, it just clears up and the sun comes out. And all at once, the sun would come out again, and I'd say, my God, I feel I believe the word again. I feel great now. I don't know what was the matter with me on Saturday and Friday. I don't know if I was crazy or what was going on. I, what, what happened? You know, for a while I didn't seem to love God, but I love God, you know. I love everybody in the church again. Praise God, I love even my enemies right now. What happened? There was a growth and a breakthrough. Say a breakthrough from one level to another level. But in that transition, there was a stopping going on, and it was attacking my feelings, my emotions, my believer, how many of you know when you have the anointing on Thursday night and you wake up Friday morning wondering if God was still there, you're in unbelief? Because the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt have the presence of God when thou teaches only. No, it says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So God was still there, wasn't he? But I didn't feel God being there. Emotionally, I didn't tie into God right there. I didn't have the goosebumps I had the night before. Well, all these were evidence of things that shouldn't have been my evidence to begin with. What should have been my evidence is the Word of God. And I'll tell you, sometimes the attacks come from the enemy, and I really believe God wants to take us from babyhood to adulthood. In other words, he wants to take us from when we get born again and he gives us the bottle and we feel his presence and he's already there. Then all at once the presence isn't there the next day. And it, sometimes I think God pulls back a little bit. Why? He's trying to get you to believe the word 
more than anything else, more than the natural realm, more than the feelings, more than the emotions, more than all this stuff. So basically, I just made a little list. I said, from now on, when this stuff happens, I want to get clarity. So I'm going to, first of all, put my mind in check. Say, put my mind in check. Now, if you put your mind in check, you'll put your mouth in check. How many know that's important? Because if you start thinking, well, you know, God, God left me. God doesn't like me. I must have did something wrong. I must, I must have backslid. I mean, and then you go to somebody, you run into somebody from the church, and how you doing? Not too good. I must have backslid. You know, I'm doing really bad right now. I think God left me someplace. And the more you put that in your mouth, how many know that don't help you? Because you're spewing unbelief all over the place. So basically, I would put my mind in check, my mouth in check. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the... So if you're depressed, you must have talked your way. If you're on top the, top, the, top the world, then you must have talked your way into it. So your mouth is a very powerful thing when you study it in the Bible. So I want to keep my mind in check. If I do that, I can keep my mouth in check. And I don't want to be moved by feelings and by emotions anymore. And that's when you're born again, you know, everybody tells you, and this is the train that you got now. Jesus is up here in the driver's seat, and your feelings and your emotions are the caboose. Well, I didn't know what they're talking about. I don't even understand trains. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know it meant, you know, well, Jesus, where are you? Because the caboose is leaving right now, praise God. So what was I supposed to do? But then I found out what it was about because Jesus and his word are. So if I'm going to put Jesus as my head of the train, I've got to put the word of God as the head of my train basically and by doing that I will keep feelings and emotions in the spot where they would be. Notice there's examples in the Bible. How many know there were three Hebrew children Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego how many know they weren't doing anything wrong they were doing things right. They were praising God they were told to stop and praise God but he praised anyway. They were told to stop to worship he did it anyway they commanded him to bow down to some other God in the natural they wouldn't do it and rather they continued on in the spirit and they spoke faith. So they came and the devil says, all right, I'll turn that burnt furnace up seven times hotter. Now in the natural, that doesn't even make sense because if you're going to burn where it was fire anyway, what's seven times hotter? Just burn you quicker. Probably better if you're going to burn. But he came, what was that trying to do? Get to their soul, get to their mind, get to the think because attack. He wanted them to back off what they were doing. So I found out in my life, I cannot keep these spiritual attacks from coming against me, but I can determine how long they will last. And this is the key. As long as you're in this physical body, as long as you're down here, these attacks will come towards your life, but you can recognize them as one and get rid of them one right away. Or you can start complaining and moaning and blah, 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 and you can prolong that thing in your life until it has an effect on your life. So the best way to do it is do it immediately, to get rid of it immediately. I mean, you know, when they were in a boat that day and the wind and the waves came up and the boat started rocking and everything was going on, that, they didn't do nothing wrong. It's not like they committed adultery, then went in the boat. No, they did nothing wrong. They were just gone to the other side. But all at once the wind and the waves kicked up. Now watch the faith of these disciples. We're going to die. I mean, you know, that was not the thing to probably say in that situation to stop that spiritual attack. Thank God Jesus was in the boat or they probably would have all died. So the main purpose of the attack on your life is to keep your feelings and your emotions as the Lord of your life rather than God's Word. Once again, the attacks come to keep your feelings and your emotions as the Lord of your life rather than God's Word. And like I say, these things come from the devil, but God also wants you to grow out of that position of feelings and emotions into a place where the Word rules. And when the Word starts rule, you'll never have a problem with unforgiveness again. You'll never have a problem with offense again. You'll never have a problem with unbelief because you'll catch yourself by the Spirit of God and nail that thing as soon as it starts to try to come into your life. So in Old Testament, there's a type in a shadow when the Israelite people were in Gilgal 
And basically, they were being led at that time. Well, every they had a, a fire by night and a cloud by the day. So when they woke up in the morning, that cloud was there. Whichever way the cloud went, they simply followed the cloud. And at nighttime, there was fire, and they followed the fire. So it was really good. They were with the Lord. They were having a great time. Well, they woke up one morning in Gilgal, and the fire wasn't there, and the cloud wasn't there. And you know what happened? They all panicked. Where's the cloud? Where's the fire? What are we going to do now? And God sometimes, I think, wants us to get to that place. So he takes the fire and cloud from us. Do you understand? He takes his feelings and emotions and our natural sight and all that stuff because he wants us to walk by the word of God whether the feelings and emotions and sight is there anyway. So they had no idea what to do. They'd been led that way for a long time. And new spiritual Christians are born again in the kingdom of God. God will definitely let people be led by the natural. Sometimes he'll even, I had a sign, you know. Well, good. But don't expect a sign 20 years from now when you're supposed to be grown up. Come on now. Well, the rooster crowed at midnight. Praise God, I'm supposed to sell my car. And you sell it and it works out. Well, that same rooster might not help you 15 years from now because he wants you to hear the word of God and the spirit of God on the inside of you and not be led by the natural realm, basically. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Not by sight, not by feelings. So spiritual growth to me in my own life was basically, it was like swimming. When I got born again, you know, Jesus was Lord and... All the weights left me and sin was taken away and I was so happy and I waited in the little swimming pool and I splashed around and it was cool and it was real nice and then I went a little bit further in the spirit and all at once I got in the two foot water and that was still all right. You know, I could still kick it around and I could still move and splash it up to my knees and then all at once I got in the four feet of water and that was still really cool and I could wash my face now and do everything and everything was fine and then I got in the six feet of water and all at once I had to stand on my tiptoes just to get a breath wasn't quite as much fun as it was in the early years. I was trying to stay above the water so that I didn't drown. And then at once I went in the seven-foot area, and all at once I had to learn how to float. And I had to trust that when I floated, I floated. Are you following me? So I got in the swimming pool, and all at once I, I had to think, this water is going to hold me up. It better hold me up because I'm in over my head now, and I can't do anything about it. It's the same way in the spirit. Sometimes you come to a place and grow to a place where you get in deep enough to where you can no longer save yourself. My God, I hope you're getting this. Whether it's in ministry or anything else, you're going to get to a place where it's no longer you. And you're going to say, that's it, God, I give up. And God says, hallelujah, let's have a party. Everybody rejoice. We got another one. We found another one who finally gave up on their own feelings, emotions, and ability. And they're just going to have to trust me and see what happens. And when you get to that place, no matter what it takes to get you there, if you get there in one area of your life, everything else seems to flow with it. But there's one, I believe there's one area in everybody's life that you've got to be able to float in before you float in the rest. And that's the area that you're afraid to swim in the most. So when you get to that place and you find out what it is, maybe it's fear, maybe it's worry, maybe it's debt, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Whatever bothers you the most and is the biggest attack on your life, that's the one you have to learn to swim in. And all the other ones that you haven't spent so much worrying just sort of flow right in with you at the same time. But it comes to a point where you have to. To me, for a long time, it was finances. It was finances in my own life. Then, then we started the church, and I had bigger problems than I ever had because now I had a church and a church of pay for and support and do things with, plus my own life that wasn't exactly prospering and, and being healthy at that time. And I ended up, and I don't suggest anybody do this, but I ended up so far in debt, I knew I couldn't get out by myself. 
I knew it. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was gone. I said, God, it's your problem now. I can't do anything. I can sell my car, and that wouldn't even pay the interest. You know, I can work four jobs. I ain't going to do nothing. I am over my head. And God was directing me. I just didn't go out and spend a bunch of money. God was directing me step by step by step. I believe he was leading me to a place to where, are you going to trust me or not? Are you going to trust your Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, or are you going to continue to lean on your own stuff? So I kept going and going. And that's the thing that really broke in my life that helped me more than anything else. Then the worry seemed to go away in areas of my life. And the peace came back. And the joy was there. And, and the fear was gone of all these things. Because basically, he had grown me into a new place. Now, am I still growing? Yes, still growing, praise God. It was the same way when you go into ministry. I'm going to go into ministry, and I'm going to preach the Word of God, and I'm going to have a, a great time, hallelujah. And you, you wake up, and you're sitting there in the chair just looking at TV, and all at once you see yourself choking when you get up behind the platform. You see yourself not being able to talk, and, and you see yourself getting done, and everybody's saying, boy, that was the dumbest thing I ever heard of in my entire life. What's he doing? He's putting spiritual pressure on you not to do the things that you have been called to do or that God wants you to do do. So basically that's what spiritual attacks are. They come and basically what do, I, what do you use against a spiritual attack? You use the word of God. So I just have to say I don't care if I'm shaken up there. I don't care if I fall down up there. I'm anointed and I'm going to preach an anointed word and if nobody gets anything out of it I will anyway and I guess that's all that matters. Praise God. I can always pay my wife to say it was a good sermon and that'll make me feel better. You know whatever it takes to do it. But it was hard and if, at first it was hard. It was a struggle. You, I was shaking when I held the microphone and people could see my knees knocking and they could do it. Why is that? Because I was trying to be stopped from doing, I mean, let's face it, you know, we talk a lot about lately witnessing and stuff. What keeps somebody from witnessing the good news? Basically, you're afraid. You've been afraid. You're afraid they'll say no. You're afraid, afraid of all this stuff. Well, but that's no excuse when you think about it. I mean, like, like I had the dream one time, and I, I've told people about it before, that where I was at the White Throne Judgment, and I had friends going up to the White Throne Judgment who had not been saved. And basically, before they got there, you know, they were waiting in the line, which has to be, a, that's got to be a scary thing there. And fourth and fifth in line, they turned and looked at me and said, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? And I could have said, I was afraid. I was afraid. Well, that's not going to help them. When they plunge down into hell, yelling, I wish you'd have told me. So I didn't want that to happen. So I thought, gosh, I've got to tell people. I've got to do things. And it's the same way that each and every one of us. So if they say no, they say no. So what? You planted a seed. Let the thing, somebody else come along and water it. One plants, one water. So the things that you're afraid to do, lay hands on somebody, lay them on there. Oh, I don't know what to pray. Try healed. Start out, say healed in Jesus' name or whatever. What are you doing? You're breaking through that fear. You're breaking through that waiting pool that you've been in for the last 10 years. And you're starting to walk into deeper waters and deeper things. And then the Spirit of God will show you how to do these things. Hallelujah. So basically what we're doing, we're growing by every little bit of glory that reveals on the inside of us. We're getting over feelings and emotions. And we're starting to do things that God has called us to do. But the Word of God is the key. You have to know the Word. When the devil comes with a lie, you have to blast that thing with the Word of God. You have to nail it every time. God doesn't love you. Oh, yes, He does. He loves me with an everlasting love, and, and basically it's not even on what I do or don't do. He loved me while I was a sinner. He's certainly going to love me. You can't do that. Well, I can do all things in Him. Well, you're going to go broke. He meets all my needs according to His rich and glory. Some of you got to get in an argument with the devil. See, because he's coming against your mind and he'll keep beating on it and beating on it and beating on it until you start to believe it. And once you get it in your thought life, you're the one who speaks it more into existence through your mouth, basically. So we're protecting our soul. We're protecting our life, basically. And also when spiritual attacks come, you cannot 
avoid them. You have to confront them. Well, I'll just feel better tomorrow. No, you need to feel better now. You need to go after it right now. You need to pull that lie down. You need to pull that unbelief out right now. And I'll tell you what, if you don't, what will happen? You'll become, the first thing that happened to me, you'll become, start to become paranoid. Everybody's judging me. Everybody's looking at me. I know they are over there. I know that one's over there right now. And I'll bet they're talking about me. I know they are. They were back there in the corner. When I walked by, they stopped talking. So I'll tell you right now. I know who they're talking about. They're talking about me, praise God. I, I know what they're doing. I'm starting to get paranoid all the way around. Hallelujah. And now at once, praise God, you'll start to judge other people and criticize other people. Why? Well, they're judging me. I know they are back there in the corner. I know they've been judging me for several days. I know that. And then you're going to start getting critical and you're going to start getting upset. And then you're going to go into self-pity. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves you. And it's amazing to me how Christians' minds work sometimes that have not been in the Word of God where you can walk by somebody in a hurry to do something and not hug them and they get mad at you for the next six years. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, well, we were going to your church, but that one time you were hugged two people and then you walked right away and I was coming up to get hugged and you never came back and gave me a hug. So I went to a church where they love me and I went there ever since. I haven't learned a thing in 25 years, but I'll tell you what, I taught you a good lesson by not coming back. Well... Could you ever think maybe they had something else on their mind? You see? And some people get so paranoid, you can't say anything. Oh, I like your dress this week. Oh, you didn't like it last week? <laughs> he didn't like my dress last week. I'm not going back there again. I only got one dress that everybody in that church likes, and I can't wear it every week because everybody will know I'm wearing it every week. And that's just the way the paranoid gets when you get paranoid in this stuff and the feelings and emotions start to take over. And I'll tell you what, you won't like anything. I don't like the color of the carpet of that church. I don't like the songs that they sing. I don't like the message that they're giving. Nothing works in that church. You'll get to a place, and when you get to that place, I tell you, you won't even be able to stand yourself. You don't have to worry about anybody else standing. You can't even stand you. You're so tired of you, you don't really care about anybody else at that time. So what am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to start to fight back. I'm going to have to shut down the gossip. I'm going to have to shut down the strife. I'm going to have to shut down everything that I need. And you know what most people do? They do something in the natural. I hate everybody in church, but if I just take a week vacation, I'll be a lot better. You know, you'll have more time to think about everybody you're hating and hate them more when you get back, basically. So all these things are coming against your mind. What for? For strife, for separation, to make you paranoid, to make you think bad thoughts, to make you, there's people you just can't say anything to without offending them. You can't do nothing to them. Well, what's their problem? Well, they came under spiritual attack. They started believing everything the devil told them. They started speaking it, thinking it, and came to a place where you can't even, you can't say something good about them and get away with it. It just doesn't work like that. So you've got to be careful even in the area as you grow up of what you can say, whether it was good to say or not. In other words, you can say some things that aren't bad, but somebody can still take them as they are bad, you see. You know, when I first was here and I was preaching and maybe I went away for a week and I would have... Freddie or somebody else preach who was here at that time, and they would preach, and everybody would come up and say, oh, man, Freddie did a really good job last week. Him and Bea got up, and they did this, and they did that, and they did this, and they did that, and they did this, and they did that, and it was just a great service. It was one of the best services we've ever had here. And I thought, well, gee whiz, thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks a lot. Well, maybe Freddie ought to take over the church then. Maybe that would be better for everybody. <laughs> then you get up the next morning, you look at everybody out there and say, none of these people like me. I just ought to blast them this week and get, just nail them with something good. And... See, why? Because I was young 
because I was taking things they were. I should have said, praise God. Freddie's been under me a long time. Thank God he can preach the word like that and the word of God's coming forth. But you don't think that way sometimes when you've not been conditioned and have not got to a place to where you can understand and go through that stuff, do you see? If you're becoming offended in church, it's your fault. We always want to look at everybody else for our problems. Just go to the mirror and find out who really the problem is in there and deal with it because that's what we've got to do. If you, if you want to grow up, if you don't, then you can go to this church for a little while. I'll try to make you mad. Uh, Pastor Joe will make you mad. Bill will make you mad. And you'll come back and pretty soon you don't have any place to go. But it's the way it works. The devil wants you to be separated from these things. He don't want you to pray. He don't want you to read the word. He don't want you to do any of these things. Because he knows what he can do. He can stop you advancing from one level of glory to another level of glory. When I first uh, started ministering, I remember I came home. I keep telling off on myself, but I need to at times, praise God. I told my wife, uh, basically, honey, I don't think anybody likes me or appreciates me whatsoever. I've been in ministry now three years. And I just don't feel like I do that. But instead of doing that after a while, I simply says, when I thought that way, Satan, I break your power over me in the name of Jesus because you're lying to me again. And it's all part of growing up. This doesn't come just like that. That's why so many new Christians that come to church can get offended at anything. You know, and sometimes even in my own heart, it, it makes me a little nervous like, you know, we, he's not here today. The guy who sits way over there in the corner, you know, Jeff, Jeff who's back there, and I mean, Ted prophesied over him, but he didn't seem to want to be prophesied over and you got to think in your heart I hope he didn't scare him off because he was plugging in he was here he stopped me one Sunday told me how excited he was and everything else but you've got to be cautious in here of what you're doing sometimes you've almost got to know that you might offend somebody before you say something so you word it different or you do it different because you don't want to be you know it's the Bible says if you're going to start offending people you're better off if they tie a rock around your neck and throw you in the water and I don't really I mean it was easy it was hard swimming in eight foot of water, but with a rock around your neck and being thrown down there, it'd be quite a fight. How many of you know that? So that probably wouldn't work out very good. But yeah, you'll, you'll start to say things and you'll catch yourself. You'll start to say things and you'll pull yourself back or you'll reword them. Why? Because there's a chance that that person is not where you're at growth-wise and you don't want to upset them or you don't want to offend them, praise God. So it's all part of growing up on both ends. First of all, you have to come to a place of stability where you understand that these spiritual attacks are coming against you and you start to deal with them. Jesus dealt with them one way. He came and says, are you the son of God? Are you Christ? And Jesus simply said, it is written. He didn't, he didn't do anything to dance. He didn't shout. He didn't scream. He just simply quoted the word back at the devil. It's the same way that we do it. We're exalting the word above our feelings and above our emotions. And if you never get over that hurdle there, Christianity is tough. Kingdom is tough because you just keep backing down. You just keep getting hurt. You just keep regressing rather than going forward. But sooner or later, you're going to come to a place where you understand that it is more important for you to have a relationship with the Lord and love people right where they're at because you don't know where they're at, but love them right where they are. And even if you said something and you felt like you did afterwards, just go back and apologize. Whether it offended them or not, at least you're keeping yourself clean and you're keeping it clean both ways in order to do that. But all these things happen by growing up in the things of the Lord. And this is how you walk in victory every single time. So we want to notice and recognize, here comes a spiritual attack. What is it? Somebody said something to me and, it, and I had that feeling. You know that feeling where you want to strangle somebody. 
You had that feeling. Well, you know that something happened there where you need to deal with something, come on, in you to where you need to grow up above that, whatever they said to you, and do it. And everybody knows that feeling. Nobody wants to say anything about it, but it's in there. Praise God. And that's the way it works. All right. And once again, you're not fighting people. You're fighting spiritual attacks. All right. Go to Matthew 14. All right, Matthew chapter 14, look at verse 6. It says, But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being therefore instructed of her mother, said, Give me here the John to Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless for his oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meal, he commanded it to be given to her. And he sent and beheaded John in prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it into her mother. And the disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by a ship in the desert, place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their what? sick. Now notice, here's something now, Jesus is very close to John the Baptist, we know that, they were related and everything else. Here Jesus gets a story from his disciples, which I'm sure he was very glad they brought to him, that basically he had his head cut off because a daughter danced, probably real sensuous or whatever, and made the king and all the other old guys there so happy that he promised to do something, whatever she wanted, and she said, give the head of John the Baptist to me. And then they went and told Jesus, well, how do you know if that was you or me? That would affect you, wouldn't it? Hey, your best friend, they just cut off their head. Right, because some, some nasty person out there decided to chop off their head. ISIS or somebody cut their head off. But notice how Jesus responded. How many know he had enough followers at that time? He could have got himself an army together. He could have went after that castle, and he could have found that king, and he could have cut his head off too and taught him a good lesson with all the people who were there. But no, he went out further. He found people because he had compassion, and he healed their sick. He fought spiritual attack with a spiritual attack. When the devil's attacking you, just start laying your hands on sick people. Amen. Just start witnessing to people. Just start going after them. Just fight right back. Okay, you, you tell me that one more time, and I'm going to show you. I'm going to stand on the street corner today, and I'm going to lay hands on everybody that walks by, dogs, cats, mice. I don't care what they are. We're going <laughs> to... So we want to fight back in the spirit, don't we? We don't want to gossip. We don't want to get mad. We don't want to tell everybody what we think. We don't want to do all this stuff. No, we need to do it. And in order to do that, you have to be prepared every day. I mean, no, you can't go three or four days not be prepared because I tell you, that is the very day. It seems like somebody walks up to you. Hey, do you know Jesus? Well, I did three days ago, but I don't even know where he is now. I know his sandal size. That's about all I can do for you today, basically, at this point. Why? Because you weren't ready like a soldier. You weren't crawling in the mud each day. You weren't getting up at 5 o'clock or whenever. You weren't getting stronger every day, preparing for when the battle came. You were waiting till the battle came, then trying to deal with the battle, and that's very hard to do. You know where it's hardest at? Symptoms. You've got to be prepared before the symptom hits if you're going to get through it. Because if you wait till it hits, man, I'll tell you what, everything, it hits your mind... 
you're going to die, so-and-so died from this, it's going to get sicker, you're really going to get bad, it just hits you, and you've got to be in a position right then to just start knocking that stuff down right off the bat. So you've got to be training, you've got to be saying every day, thank God I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, Jesus bore my sicknesses, carried my diseases, I don't get sick. Somebody says, well, everybody's getting COVID, I don't get COVID because I don't get sick. Amen. Well, how do you know you're not sick? Because I don't get sick, that's why. So what are you doing? You're building that on the inside of you, so when it does hit, you are in a position to knock that thing down and keep Amen. that thing off of your life. So the enemy's coming after our soul. He's coming after our mind. He's coming after our will. He's coming after our man. He wants you operating in feelings, and he wants you operating in emotions. He wants you operating in the natural realm, basically, because in the natural realm, you cannot defeat him in that. And how many know the word is spirit and is always alive? All right, one more. Go to Second Kings chapter 6. It's all part of growing up. It's all part of learning. It's all part of going forward. It's all part of coming to a position to where you can't be touched by the enemy. The Bible says the wicked one touches you not. All right, here's been my prayer ever since probably about 10 years ago. I don't know when I grew up a little bit. Second Kings chapter 6. Oh, let's go up to chapter 8. Second Kings 6, 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel. He took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you don't pass through such a place, for the Syrians are coming down to that place. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warned him, and saved himself there not once, but twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of these things of the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, He's not the problem. That dang Elijah the prophet, he's the problem. That is in Israel, tell Israel the words of his chamber bed. So here's the king. He's gone forward. He wants to start a camp. But the king of Syria was coming to destroy the children of Israel. But he had a problem here. He had a prophet who was seeing the battle before it even started, and he knew where the battle was going to attack. So he told the king not to go there because he already knew before the battle started that he would, didn't go there because he's going to be waiting for you because Syria had a lot more men at this time, and they were coming after Israel, and they hated him. So notice, I think in our lives, if they could do it in the Old Testament, it's a type and a shadow of us, sometimes we can see the battles before they even begin. In other words, in a church, I want to see the fight breaking out in three of my congregation members before the fight breaks out in three. Why? It protects them. They don't get in the battle, the war, the gospel, anything else. I get there beforehand. I straighten it out beforehand. What am I doing? I'm seeing it beforehand. So it's good when the battles come to be ready and do it, but it'd even be better if you could see them beforehand. And notice what it did to the, in verse 11. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled. I'd like to trouble the devil every now and then. Yes. Imagine every time he comes and he whispers somebody's thought in their mind, and two minutes earlier you already reinforced that that thought was a lie, and he re-encouraged them in an area of their life. You know, God loves you so very much. He just loves you. The devil comes and says, well, God doesn't love you. You said, yeah, the pastor just told me a minute ago that God loved me. What did you do? You knocked that down before it came. How do you know that's going to make the devil mad? How many like to make the devil mad? Yeah. So there's a place we can come to. If you could do it in the Old Testament, you could do it by the Spirit of God, that we can determine, even in our own lives, the battle before it gets there, 
we can already be prepared knowing that it's coming. And that's where I want to grow into a place of. I want to understand in my own life, hey, the battle's going to be coming here. Hey, the battle's coming in my family. It's coming right here. Hey, the battle's coming in my kid's life, and it's coming right here. So I can start preparing for that attack, praying in the Holy Ghost or whatever, getting revelation, so I come to a place to where every time the devil comes, I knock him down before he even has a chance to get in there. And I believe we can do that as born again. I believe we're going to have to do that in some areas of our life as we continue on in the growth and everything that we're doing because those are things that will help us stay in the love of God and in the power of God that we need in this day and in this hour. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, that we, we will not live by our feelings. We're not going to live by our emotions. We don't get offended. We don't get into offense. We don't live in unforgiveness. We don't do any of that baby stuff. We walk in the power of God and the anointing of God. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, on the inside. You are supposed to be quickened on the inside of me, and you're supposed to bring the, bring the word everything that's been placed in me back up to me. So you're the one who loads my gun. Hallelujah. Every time something's coming against me, this doubt and unbelief, you load my gun of a scripture that I heard and I will pull the trigger with my mouth and I'll shoot that thing out of my life and I will walk in joy and peace in every area of my life. No matter what comes my way, I decide to live above all those things because you have raised and seated me far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And I thank you for your anointing tonight and the words that's been spoken and the lives that have been changed. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.